Welcome to the Jesse Garcia Show, your half-hour home for politics, culture, and art. We come to you every week with a new story about your world. Today's guest is Sharita Gruberg, Director of Policy for the LGBTQ Research and Communications Project at American Progress. We'll talk about issues surrounding the queer community, specifically immigration detainees, asylum seekers, and DACA recipients. Thank you for following The Jesse Garcia Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For more information about the podcast, visit jessegarciashow.com. Make plans this fall to visit Washington, D.C. and catch Play Ball in the Barrios and the Big Leagues, in Los Barrios y Las Grandes Ligas. The National Museum of American History will debut a bilingual exhibition spotlighting baseball and how Latinx players, managers, and owners have transformed American culture through the lens of our national pastime. Starting on October 9th, more than 60 artifacts, including baseball cards, programs, and scrapbooks, will be on display. Stories will also include personal accounts from Latinas who played in the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. The National Museum is located on Constitution Avenue Northwest between 12th and 14th Streets and is open daily from 10 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. Admission is free. For more information about this Latinx heritage display, visit AmericanHistory.si.edu. That's AmericanHistory.si.edu. See you there. I want to welcome to the show Sharita Gruberg, Director of Policy of LGBT Affairs at the Center for American Progress. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So we have a lot to discuss. You got like possibly my dream job (laughs) of having to work with all these important issues and try to sway public opinion, get that um, important studies about all these important social issues that affect the LGBT uh, community and Latinos. Mm and immigrants and asylum seekers i mean all these under uh, populations that have been suffering <laughs> that have been like uh, targeted yeah exactly. by recent um, administration actions how did you become political where did how did it all start oh my gosh that's a good question <laughs> um so i th- I, I mean, I was raised in a family that was political. My dad taught political science. Oh, and, perfect. And uh, actually wrote the first book on women in American politics. Wow. Um, so I was brought up in that kind of household. Um, my mother was a refugee. And so uh, that was just always part of my growing up. But I think personally, it was. Uh, and it feels like deja vu all over again, but the start of the Iraq war where oh, yeah. uh, I was out with my signs every Saturday <laughs> <laughs> and uh, after school every day um, protesting the war in when I was living in North Carolina where there weren't a lot of people. Not a lot were, of people um, on the same against side. the war. Yeah. Yeah. But that was just a thing I felt like I needed to do then. So that was kind of when I started getting more engaged in local organizing. And where did you go to school? Uh, I went to UNC. Awesome. Mm -hmm. And you studied political science? Yes. 
political science, women's studies, and uh, sexuality studies, even though I was in the closet then. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, nobody would have guessed <laughs> uh, with those majors that I was as queer as they come, yeah. <laughs> and you set a, a path working on immigration issues. Tell us about that. So, um, I jumped around a lot in work uh, after... I'd started out mostly interested in reproductive health and rights. Uh, I'd, I'd worked for a few abortion rights organizations, and then after college, uh, wanted to be in D.C., wanted to um, work here. So I... Be in the middle of everything. Yeah, where else would I be? Um, so I got a job with a organization um, that worked on um, women migrant issues. And uh, they were working on improving access to reproductive health care for women in crises and needed someone in the D.C. office that had a reproductive uh, rights background. Uh, And then I ended up getting way more interested in uh, they were working on family detention monitoring. Uh, This was at the start of uh, seeing an increase in unaccompanied minors coming to the U.S. Uh, So those ended up being the parts of the portfolio that I was most interested in. Um, and then I really decided I don't want to do policy. Policy's frustrating. I want to do direct service. So I went to law school. Mm-hmm. And then I got a job working for the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees and wow. realized I did not like doing one by one cases. I wanted to fix the bigger policy issues. Um, so I was looking for a new job. I, uh, had also done a bunch of work with folks in immigration detention over the years. Um, so that was another passion of mine. And uh, I had a friend who told me that CAP was looking for a six-month consultant to help them on some work around the impact of immigration policy on LGBT people. Uh, and so what I... What a perfect marriage of all your background. It was, it was really perfect, yeah. Um, so I came and that was six and a half years ago <laughs> so the six month uh, short term job working on Sunday that's an issue. awesome awesome consultant gig you got going on <laughs> it was yeah it's a long term consulting gig no but uh the work that you do here at the center for american progress touches many communities mm-hmm. that's uh important to the listeners of the show the lgbtq immigrant latinx queer people of color what are some of ma- uh, major projects that you're working on currently so it's really quiet these days. There's not much <laughs> happening. Uh, we're not facing existential threats to our community and our rights. Um, I mean, it's, I, I think the way that I try to see the work that we do is, um, you know, we have the defensive work of... Yeah, we're in the defense mode. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we spent the uh, Obama years trying to uh, expand recognition and protections and programs to help uh, LGBTQ people uh, in all aspects of life. Um, And now every single one of those is under attack. They're being walked back and they're being um, dismantled. Yeah. So I am, you know, we're waiting right now for a proposed rule allowing shelters to discriminate against trans women, which is cruel and horrific and completely on brand for this administration. We are dealing with a flood of regulations, basically dismantling asylum as we know it. 
um, which disproportionately is harming LGBTQ people fleeing persecution and seeking protection here. Um, And then we're also waiting on a whole batch of religious exemptions across every federal agency that is, you know, we, I'm a person of faith. We have a whole progressive faith team here. When this administration talks about faith, they don't mean that. They mean this idea that somebody is able to not follow the law because it, they want to discriminate. And that's kind of what this administration has repurposed religious freedom to mean. Uh, nothing that the founders ever intended. It's just sort of like the wall between separation of church and state is slowly crumbling. Yeah, they don't want it. And the idea that the administration that um, came in on banning a religious group from entering the country with the Muslim ban would care about religion is absurd. On their first week, weekend. Yes. Oh, my God. So um, so that's one thing. And then the yeah. other thing, you know, we, we're forward thinking here. And so we're always thinking, like, how do we move the ball on equality? And so the Equality Act is one of the big things that we support. Uh, it is way past time to have federal non-discrimination protections for LGBT people. Uh, we also help um, with state fights to see where they can advance equality. Um, we're pushing for uh, inclusive family definitions and family leave policies. And it's kind of hard trying to get mainstream America to realize that there's discrimination still against LGBT people. Mm-hmm. In their eyes, they see, oh, well, you can serve in the military now. You can get married now. What else do you want? But there's fundamental protections for the workplace, for families to adopt and not be denied the housing. You know, not being denied shelter at a at a homeless shelter. Yeah, we did a study, and one in four uh, LGBT respondents had experienced discrimination in the year before in some aspect of life, and that impacted how comfortable they were looking for a job, where they lived, going to the doctor. If uh, We also found that LGBT people who experienced discrimination were seven times more likely to avoid going to the doctor in the future. Yeah. And so when we talk about the health disparities our community faces, they're and, and all linked. It, and it affects everybody, even people mm-hmm. that are uh, the most privileged in our, in our community that are able to have a job, able to... You know, pay their bills, have uh, have a place to call home. When we retire, do we really want to be going into a living assisted living without protections against somebody that may be discriminating against LGBT people because they don't? You know, right. we're all gonna we're gonna face this for the rest of our lives. So for those who think they have it easy right now, you're gonna face it eventually, where you have to make these decisions on where you're gonna be your most vulnerable. Uh, where to spend those days or for people who want to um, form a family there's so many barriers still for LGBT people and there's so much discrimination and what insurance will cover and what they you know when you might be able to access the same benefits that a different sex couple would not even have to deal with these questions from their insurers so you have a lot on your plate (laughs) with all these issues Uh, this current administration all I can say is it operates in chaos yes. and it sucks so much energy and time from the media. I mean, it gets a lot of airtime. How are you getting your issues and policies regarding LGBT issues in front of the media? Mm-hmm. It's not easy 
Um, and I think what ends up happening is we, co- I mean, we cover every attack. We cover every um, issue that arises, but it's like drinking from a fire hose yeah. and the media is not able to keep up with it. And that's on purpose. It's by design. Um, one of the things we found, though, is that the things they're doing are still so horrific when it comes to their attacks on LGBT people that we are we are able to break through the noise um, because even as desensitized as I think all of us have gotten after three yep, years of this, exactly. it's still horrific enough yeah. where we're getting press coverage. So um, all we can do is keep reporting and keep telling the story um, and keep reaching out and talking to our communities and sharing the information that we have. But like um, we filed a complaint against the Department of Homeland Security for their uh, withholding of medical care uh, for LGBTQ people and people living with HIV and ICE detention. Yes. And I thought that would be a blip that didn't get attention because there's so much in the immigration space. Yes. Um, But two trans women have died from medical neglect under this administration. And the Washington Post carried the story about the complaint and the stories that we were telling about people um, who we filed it on behalf of. Uh, let's get to that question. I wanted to ask specifically, you know, mm-hmm. these deaths of migrants along the border, um, it hasn't changed how it operates. I mean, they still got private prisons and stuff that they're using. And what are some key items that CAP is doing to ensure due process for these mm-hmm. migrants? Have you worked on anything recently? Yeah, and I think you just hit the nail on the head. Uh, This administration tries to paint immigrants as the lawless ones, as the ones that are violating all the rules. Um, But what's happening is it's actually this administration that's not following the law. Uh, There was a case that I read about just today of a gay man who got deported without even having a judge review the case. Wow. And that... the the case had been appealed because he hadn't come out before and he was being deported to a country where being uh, gay was criminalized. Yes. And so the ju- the attorney being a responsible attorney exactly. uh, appealed and brought in the new information. And before a judge could evaluate this claim, I deported the person. Like That's not legal. That's, that's not, not due process. Yeah. Um, so we're trying to push back on this and get Congress to rein ICE in, to rein um, these, uh, all of the efforts that they're doing to undermine our legal system um, and actually hold them accountable. So, you know, with immigration detention, they're just locking people up. They're not reviewing custody decisions. They're not giving basic medical care. They're violating their own rules left and right. Um, So we're working with Congress on conducting oversight and legislation to um, make ICE explain when they're using taxpayer resources to jail someone for months on end in solitary confinement. Like, you don't just get to do that because you want to. What are your reasons behind it? Right. You should just, if you're going to spend $160 a day to imprison somebody uh, when you could put them in alternative and case management system that costs pennies explain why you're doing this um so trying to put the onus on dhs for explaining what they're doing instead of just letting them run rampant on violating rights so aside from trying to work with um congress to rein in um these uh this agency you also have to work with the american public and trying Mm -hmm. to switch public opinion 
Uh, most recently, this administration has announced that it wants to cap the amount of refugees that come into the country on a yearly basis. It used to be as high as 180,000, and they want to do one-tenth of that. Eight, just mm -hmm. 18,000 asylum seekers are going to be allowed, given access to um, visas to come into this, um, to this country. What is CAP doing to change the mindset on this, to tell the American public that this is wrong and this is too drastic of a cut? Right. Um, I mean, exactly that. We're telling the stories of why people are coming here um, and what people do for the community once they're here. Uh, our immigration team has a lot of research around how integral uh, refugee populations are to um, helping communities thrive. They're getting resettled in places where there just isn't the workforce needed to keep these communities afloat. Uh, they're pumping new life and new vitality into cities across the country that have it's, lost people. Yeah, there's, it's amazing that you have all these red states that are saying, no, do send us these refugees. Yeah. Red and purple states. They're saying, no, we actually need these immigrant communities, these refugee communities to come in and help us because uh, we've lost a lot of people and mm -hmm. the workforce is needed and they fill in these important spots. Yeah, and it's people who, I mean, it. we know this. Immigration helps communities. It enriches communities. People share their culture and their expertise. Um, it's not this, it, there's no evidence that it's a force for anything negative in communities. Um, so we're trying to tell that story both in the terms of economic um impact on communities and then also uh in my team in particular uh i think why people are fleeing and what the u.s's role is in having a foreign policy and living our values and um and how we, we're still that beacon of hope to right. that lgbt person that's trying to escape a society that will kill him right. or her or they because of who they are right it's a question of life and death for these people and no matter how cruel these policies are they're not going to stop people from trying to seek protection because there is no choice this is it and so why would it why would we do anything but open our arms to the folks that are in need of our help another thing that we got coming our way is uh this spring we will learn the fate of daca students mm -hmm. with an upcoming supreme court ruling what do you think will happen, and how is CAP ready to respond to it? Well, what should happen uh -huh. is the Supreme Court should hold that Trump illegally ended the program. There's no question. There's no real question there. <laughs> if it was any other court, we'd be very confident in that. What will actually happen, I don't know. Um, and this is another reason why we can't wait for the Supreme Court. Like. Congress could fix this tomorrow. The House passed the bill. Mitch McConnell just has to bring it to the floor for a vote in the Senate, and we could fix this, but he's not. And that's what is so frustrating, that um, the Senate can just choose to not act on any of the really critical pieces of uh, legislation that the House has passed, like the Equality Act, like... Um, improving uh, rights for voters, for in strengthening our democracy and fighting corruption, um, improving health care. There's been so many opportunities for them to act 
the Dream Act was one of those, uh, Dream Promise Act. And they're just not doing anything. And inaction isn't their job. That's not helping any of the American people. It's not helping our communities. Uh, so, you know, I don't know what the Supreme Court's going to do, but the lives of so many people are at stake. We did a study and found... And I was going to ask you, because you mentioned that you've done studies about LGBT DACA students. Tell yeah. us a little bit about what you, key findings. So what we found, we, we fielded a survey of DACA recipients, and we asked about sexual orientation and gender identity so we could get data on how LGBT people were impacted by DACA. And the results were amazing. It was... Um, very large percentages were able to go to school, were able to make more money, got health insurance and health care uh, and benefits and um, were able to improve their lives. And they're probably their families as well. Exactly. And uh, we fielded the st study twice, once uh, to kind of get a baseline of how this was working. Uh, and then again, to see what the anxieties were of LGBT DACA recipients and the People are afraid, and it's so cruel to put people through that. They're afraid for themselves. They're afraid for their families. They're afraid of being detained and deported to places where they this is not their home. This could become a mental health issue yeah. for years to come. And that was heartbreaking to see. Like The first time we fielded the study, we saw great information about how critical this program was to help give them a leg to up to thrive and Get help their poverty. families. And the last time we fielded it, it was just heartbreaking to see the stress and the fear that we're putting people through. And it's a lot of people. We estimated there's over 66,000 LGBT DACA recipients um, who've benefited from the program since it started. And to put that many lives in limbo for absolutely no reason is unconscionable. If listeners want to know about this report mm -hmm. and learn more about CAP, where should they go? Uh, AmericanProgress.org. All of our reports and data are there. And how about social media handles? Where can they find you? At LGBT Progress. Awesome. And do you have any special events coming up? Or So speaking of immigration and things like that, uh, the Creating Change is in Dallas next week. Yes. And I will be moderating a plenary, the closing plenary, and we are going to be highlighting the work that local advocates are doing to protect immigrants in their community and fight against Trump. So you're going to be at, in Dallas, Texas, yep. and you're going to be giving a presentation at Creating Change. For more information about Creating Change, it's creatingchange.org. And how can people support Central, uh, the Center for American Progress? You're a nonprofit, correct? We are. Uh, but you can sign up for our emails um, if you go to the site americanprogress.org and keep in contact for uh, new reports we have and also action alerts for ways that you can... Um, help push progressive policies yeah. if you're going to be an activist and you want to learn and you want to have these arguments it's important to get knowledge first-hand knowledge about the issues and you guys do a lot of work not just in the issues that we just talked about but everything that from housing health anti-poverty i mean you guys are across the board we have over 20 policy teams yes so if you want to learn <laughs> all the, the issues that need to be talked about and fought for, AmericanProgress.org. Mm -hmm. That's it. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me.